Welcome to Season 2 of the Week Pastor Podcast, where we view Christianity through the lens of vulnerability. Welcome to the Week Pastor Podcast. We are so thankful that you have joined us for another new episode. We are excited. I'm actually really excited today. You know why? One of the reasons why I'm really excited, Sua? Have you noticed? Why? Have you why? noticed? Have you noticed why? anything different? Like in my setup here. You got a new boom stand. Yes! Is that Sua? Yeah. <laughs> that boom, this boom stand is a game changer. It really is. Because before I just had that upright one and I'm, yeah. I have to like literally be up like this the whole time. And it was such a pain. Wait, is butt. this, when did you buy this? I, I just ordered it. I think last week huh. I ordered another one. It never came through Amazon. And so I ordered this one and it is, and I know you've had the boom stand for a long time and I'm just like, why did I wait so long? Why did I have to suddenly I am reminded when you talk about Amazon not delivering on time, I am reminded of the story that I've once previously shared about, you too know, much, where I'm, too much where Amazon, with this. too much. Amazon. No, 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 it's a, it's about like when I was in HD. No, no, it wasn't when I was in HD. It was when I was for, it was like literally my first week of starting on staff at Metro and you had ordered a laptop from Amazon and then, or no, an iPad. You ordered an iPad. Oh, okay. You ordered okay. an iPad from Amazon and All then right. it never arrived. And so you called them and complained because remember Prime used to do this thing where it has to be delivered within 48 hours. Yeah. And yeah. then it didn't arrive. And so you called Amazon and you were complaining to them. So they sent you a new one. But then the next day, the old one arrived. Yeah. And to my dismay, you were like, Sua, what should I do? Now I have an extra <laughs> iPad. Do you think I should raffle it off at like the my HD discipleship class? Like, do you think I should just like give it? And I was so incredulous. I was like, you mean you're not going to return the iPad you did not pay for? Except, so you, I know you made me return it. So how to return it. Well, okay. But now I feel a little bit regret about that because that was when I was super Pharisee. I was like 26, <laughs> maybe. I actually think looking back on it, yeah, I I still would have, but I've come to the place where I now believe that these things are individual between you and your own God. So if, if God- <laughs> My felt, own God, like, like I, God I own my own God. You, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, if God okay. gave you like peace about it, I don't think I would judge you for that. But back then, I was so, oh, so. I'm sure you shocked. were. I was this so was, shocked. This wasn't the first week, was it? When you started working, it was like at... the first week. It was at the Fort Lee office. Wow! Wow! Yes, That's crazy. Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, and you were, you had like z you, it wasn't even like a. Do you think I have to return? It it was zero percent to that. It was you literally being like, "What should I do with this?" Exactly. You had already decided up this was yours. You, so. I ended up listening to you, the moral police. So that's it. So, <laughs> but I, I tell you what, I'm very happy because this stand is absolutely amazing, and uh, I don't know why I've waited this long to purchase one of these. Was like it expensive? Twenty five dollars. Oh, you know, so why, got, did you, why did you even buy that other one? I have one? no idea. I should have just gotten this uh, sooner, but I'm a very happy camper. But here's the one thing that we have to do before we get to our question today. Now, for many of you, you guys know that we actually have a YouTube channel. And uh, the, the problem is, is that I know in the, in the previous episodes, I promised that every episode will be up on YouTube. But I did have a recording problem on my computer. And so I was not able to record some of the episodes and, you know, and I couldn't put it up on YouTube and I apologize for that. But I realized this past uh, episode from this week was a really good one. It was a, a good one to watch on YouTube simply because Sua, I made Sua flex. Here we go. Show her bicep, Here we go again. Right? And, uh, Here and, we go again. and I was like, guys, get on YouTube and watch it. Check out Sua's bicep. But the thing is, is that it never recorded. So I don't want our listeners to feel like they got gypped because I know what it feels like to get gypped. All right. And I don't like to get gypped. And so because of that, Sua, we have oh, to show apparently our you're not viewers. allowed to use that word anymore. Why? Whoopi Goldberg got in trouble. Is that she's right? At the, she's getting canceled again for like the hundredth time because apparently the word gyp come from, comes from gypsy and gypsy wow. is not apparently a, oh my a politically correct term anymore so apparently we're not allowed to use the word gypped any longer okay. you just said it like four times well i don't want our audience to feel like they didn't get what they wanted right i promised something i didn't deliver i'm going to deliver all right now guys i want you to know that sua has been getting so ripped these days Can you stop that You're she has to wear up. She has to wear the sweater, the sweatshirt to cover up. No, that's games, not what I right? said. You are Remember, completely so distorting he, what right, I so said. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. That's not she, what I said. No. She has been exercising really well. And so this is good because uh, we're heading towards the end of our season. 
And then the first episode of season three, I will promise that I want to see the three months gains. All right. So we'll, 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 we'll check it out. But Sua, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to encourage you to take off that sweat, whatever the best sweatshirt that you have on. My sweat? Yeah. Take off my sweat. <laughs> the sweatshirt that no. you have on. Listen, the, the zipper okay. sweatshirt. And can I have... you just show us your bicep for the viewers? Because they did not get a chance to see it the last time because I was never able to record properly. I have. So. Um, okay. So on one hand, I had like little faith that you were able, you're going to be able to actually put this on YouTube. So <laughs> once again... Uh, my my kids' camps have started. Like our our summers have already started. Like oh vacation started at the end terrible. of May, like That's beginning terrible. of the first week of June. So my kids are already in camp. So my schedule's really wonky, and I didn't. Ha I only had like thirty minutes before I dropped them off, and then I had to like start recording. <laughs> so I was like trying to figure out like what is my priority here. Like I can either read the Bible, eat breakfast, yeah, eat a waffle, or put some makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I was like, Pastor Peter is not going to be able to do this YouTube again. It's fine. Yes, I no, so I will. I, I, I promise um, you, it's recording. Well, I nixed speak, the makeup, so, so I'm yeah. sorry for. I'm sorry but, if this. But is I got to say, you for, look like, fine without the makeup, so it's okay. Um, and you okay, and then, us. but then, so I was wearing. I'm wearing a sleeveless tank underneath yeah but i was like just in case pastor peter starts saying some crap about my bicep again i better put on something over here so that it's not like in plain sight you know so i'm wearing this hoodie and now i can't believe you're telling me to strip for our viewers listen listen like, the last so time when i encourage you to do that you were like so open you go listen i wore loose sleeves just to do this and bam and you just showed showed your bicep which i yeah, thought but was that's hilarious like a thing. i can't like redo i thought it, it was a, come on sua please please for for the sake because about i just take off my hoodie and then you guys can see if i've become one of those people who can't put their arms down also uh, okay we gotta nix this because i've had so many complaints from, from viewers i've had so many not viewers i've had so many complaints from listeners about how we we just only talk about bodies and fitness and i cannot deal but with so the complaints please. any longer tina sua, sua. i'm talking to you sua please please you you have to you have to show the bicep please because i know the the majority of our viewers would like to see the games Fine. I'm and you do talk it, but then can the we game. move on after yes we're gonna move on you? right after okay right can after. i just show this you one is, this yeah this is this is sua working out hard dieting exercising let's see now and no not dieting see. just exercise. okay and then we'll see what it looks like three months later right I, don't you want dieting. a video catalog of your gains I'm, I'm helping you right now i'm trying to help you don't you I just want don't know why that has to go public it's I can okay. have a catalog of my own. Oh, I just go. don't know why it has to go. Come okay. on, let's see, girl. Come right, on. You ready? Yeah, let's oh, see. I'm also wearing a crop top. I'm sorry. This is not. <laughs> look, this look is how, not appropriate. Look how excited you are to show your bicep off. It's like it's like yeah, you, were, okay, you were. All right, let's ready? go. Come on. You can already see. Look at that. Oh, yo, your muscles. delts are looking real nice. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh dang. Okay. Oh, look, I even scratched myself the other day. That, that looks like a tattoo. That looks so cool. Look, All yeah, right. Look at, my, look at my triceps. Yeah, I, I, I'm. Wait, wait, I, I can't see your triceps. I don't think you have a line. Oh, yes, I do, right there. Oh, oh okay. It's I'm barely noticeable. I'm you might need to get a deeper tan, girl. Are, look at my shoulders. <laughs> okay, now, now can we move back? Can we go back? Sua, impressive. I gotta say, I'm, I'm impressed, and, yeah. and I, I expect, you know, I expect three months from now for it to okay. be even more. I just want to say, result. Okay. I just want to say, though, that the true gains you can't see because, you know, they're in the gluteus area and that 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 would be get us flagged. That would get yes. Us flagged no, no, no. That, that is where we draw the podcast. line. OK, we just that that'll be just for your eyes, your husband's eyes and your kid's eyes. That's it. Listen, all right? So but anyway. Asian woman. OK, Asian woman who are listening, who've genetically been at a disadvantage in terms of growing our glute muscles because of our genetics our deficient genetics. Hit me up. <laughs> I have a great routine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A great routine. Okay. okay. All right. All Let's right. Let's move on. Let's please move on. Fantastic. Okay. Thank you so much for doing that for our viewers. And uh, so the, the question I want to ask is, this is actually a very personal question. <laughs> and you might get in trouble for this one. You might, you can get in trouble, but I think we should answer. Trouble from whom? From the trouble person. Whom? You, because the question is simply this. Who is the most annoying person in your life? Who is the most annoying person in your life? Right now, it's you. You keep asking me to show my bicep. No, you be are. You're the most annoying person. Come on, come on. You got, you got to be better than that. Better than that, all right? So who is the most annoying person in your life? All right, think about that for a second because it how might... Am I supposed to... I'm sorry. How, how am I supposed to answer that? Am I supposed to give like fake names? Like No, be honest. Answer that? Yeah. I can't answer no? that. No, that's so that's so mean. It's like, which what if like literally, what if that person is listening? 
But if you love, I mean, it's okay. It's not that. It's just because somebody's annoying no. doesn't mean you don't love them and care okay, for you, them. How about you go and we'll see. Yeah, no, no, you, I'll go. Let's I, see. I, let's see. I, I have okay. a very annoying person in my life, okay? And it's my mother. Okay. My mother is yeah, by far so the most annoying person in my life. In my life. I love okay, her to I, death. Um, I love her to death, but she is so annoying. So annoying. I just want to say that somebody, an anonym, anonymous listener, once told me that... Um, the parts that he enjoys the most from our podcasts is when Pastor Peter talks about how annoying his okay. mother is. So listen, listen. I I took my mother to South Africa with me. I just came back from South Africa a couple of weeks ago. And I took her on the trip with me. She was with me for what? Well, I think we were there for 10 days. And, you know, I just said to her, I said, hey, mom, like, I would really appreciate if you were not so annoying on this trip. All right. And so did you really say that to her? I did. I said to her, I said, how do you say that? Like you said it in Korean? Of course. Of course. So I said, if you annoy me on this trip, I will never take you on another trip ever again. That's so sanctified of you to say that to her. Well, listen. It's so kind. The threat has to, to be to the person real who gave you life, the mother who gave you life. <laughs> Yo, who takes who takes their mom on these kinds of trips, right? Like on a business trip, I, right? No, so, but do you really have to threaten her? I don't have to because she's so annoying. She's like, so what do you mean? Like, annoying. what annoying? Like, listen, what kind of she annoying? Is so annoying. But she, but so for because the annoying mo- has different types. Yes, but she, meaning she's a nagger, right? So I started buying some my mm. South African wine. My. <laughs> Oh, my my favorite wine oh. is the Netterberg uh, Barone. It's a it's a mix of Shiraz and Cabernet Sauvignon. So it's a it's a fantastic <laughs> wine. It's it's four dollars, literally That's four amazing. US, right? And so you know, I, I I like to buy these wines. Do you so ship I, it? Like you pack it? No, in your I bag? pack it in my suitcase. Of course, that does not break. You you wrap it up in jeans and all your clothes. Oh. I've done this so many times, you know. And so she's giving me like the stink eye because I'm buying this and I, I bought six bottles, right, mm. with me. And so, you know, I want to give a couple of gifts and stuff like that. And so she's like, you know, how there's no way a pastor should be giving somebody wine for a gift. That's wrong, you know, and stuff like that. So she, Wait, she's what does she think about Jesus drinking? Well, wine? She said Jesus never really drank. You know, he never he just really drank. Made it. He yeah, just he made just it. he made the wine, but he never really drank. And so you anyway, think Jesus so, drank wine. Of course he drank wine. Yeah, okay. It was a normal okay. part just of culture sure. that day. He okay. was, just I think sure. he was I think he had a righteous buzz going on in that wedding when he turned that water into wine. So anyway, um, especially if you watch The Chosen, you see that it's been, you know, The Chosen. They show Jesus really enjoying that wine. So anyway, um, so yeah, so she's just, man, I'm telling you, she she can be incredibly annoying, incredibly annoying. And, you know, when I came back from Africa, she was just, you know, giving, you know, going in, leaning in about you know, how I buy all this drink and why, you know, why am I buying wine and, and all that stuff. So I would have to say my mother, I love her to death, but she is incredibly, incredibly annoying. The most annoying person in my life, bar none, bar none. So, but I love her, but she is annoying. And my sister, Ellen, if she's listening, she would say amen to that as well. Why is there so much silence? No, I'm trying. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> I can. I mean, I can see how a nagging person can be annoying. Um, I'm just trying to. I don't have anyone who nags. Oh, okay. Me, though. Oh, oh, oh. And another thing, we went to um, a safari, so we stayed at the game reserve. This place is gorgeous, right? Nambiti Lions Lodge. I mean, this place is fantastic. It's a five star, like a place. It's really mm-hmm. nice. And, you know, she's so short. She's like five feet tall. But, you know, this is like an adults only like like a place where you stay. And so she we went into the room and, you know, they're trying to conserve energy and stuff like that. And so, you know, they they're on solar energy and stuff like that. So they the room is very dark. I mean, the room is beautiful. It's huge. It's beautiful. It's it's, it's actually incredibly dark at night. They, they don't really have much lighting and stuff like that. So it's kind of dark. And she's like, what kind of place is this? How come there's so there's no lighting? This it's so dark in here. And then the other thing she was complaining about was the sink because she's so short. She's the size of a child. She couldn't. She couldn't. She had a. I had to like create okay. like a step ladder for her because she couldn't but, wash her face because the sink was too high up for her. Can we rewind a little bit? You said she's five feet tall, but I'm yeah. only like three inches taller than that. Yeah. So does that mean I'm also child size? Uh well I mean no you're more adult size right because I mean, you said five the average, feet is average not woman is like, like no she's short like disability short 
but she couldn't fit. And so she's huh. maybe she shrank. Listen, she is complaining. She's like, I can't believe this place is bad, or whatever. But and I'm like, but mom, this is like a five star resort. This place is beautiful and stuff. And so I was like, man, you're complaining. Annoying. That's just. Is she just critical? Annoying. Is she just very critical? She, oh, very critical. Yeah, about she's very critical. very critical of me, yeah, very critical yeah. about a lot of different things. Yeah. Any event. So my mom could be incredibly annoying. She is by far the most annoying person in my life. I love her, but she's incredibly annoying. So that's that's that. Do you have anyone that you would like to share where you, you don't think you're I would? I would bet you that some people would say I'm I'm pretty annoying, and I'll mm -hmm. tell you why. It's not because I nag. I'm not a nagger. I don't think I'm hypercritical. Like I'm pretty whatever about yeah. most things, but I think that's why people get annoyed with me. Like I've had people tell me that they find me annoying because when they tell me horrible things are happening to them, I don't understand why it's that terrible. Like what do you <laughs> what do you say to them? What do you say to them? Because in my mind, it doesn't sound as bad as they okay. they seem to have they seem to be experiencing it. Okay. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? So like like okay so like people will be you know i had a friend who was complaining about how like um like she can't find a job but i just felt like she wasn't really looking and so i i just kind of felt like it wasn't like she didn't earn the right to be complaining wait so she got upset with you because you weren't like oh i'm sorry she wanted yeah she wanted me to be like oh that sounds so stressful like that's so hard I mean, but i'm like that's, that's not that bad yeah, come on or like some like like you know because i think I do have some friends who are very easily triggered, mm. but to me, I guess I just don't show them the level of um, solidarity or like empathy that they're looking for. Mm. Maybe I'm trying to, I, I just don't, you I don't you have know, anyone in your household. Point, I waited out most people in my life that truly irritate me. Okay. That's the great thing about your thirties. And I'm like, oh, at the tail end of it, right. You just like, you just don't care anymore about having, um, you know, the, like that being liked, like you just don't care. Like if people yeah. are not serving you and if these friendships are not, um, something that you feel like are worth investing in because I have much less disposable free time now yep, in this yep, stage yep, of my yep. life than I did in my 20s. And so I'm not going to just hang out with somebody or invest in a relationship just because it's accessible to me and it's there. I'm only going to invest in the relationships and friendships that I really feel like are serving a purpose for me and like have value in my life. Um, okay. Okay. So but how, how about a family out, member? Like most people, you don't have a family so member. The thing, right? You don't have a family member that's annoying, like your husband, your well, kids, your no, mom. John's your not annoying. John no. is definitely not annoying. Um, John's not annoying. Um, okay, I'm I'm gonna do this thing because this is a prickly topic. So this yeah. is what I'll do. Okay, I'll tell you who's not annoying, and then by power of deductions, you guys can try to figure out who I think is somewhat annoying. Oh. oh okay. Okay, John is not annoying. That's my great. children are not annoying. Okay. My parents are in Korea, so they rarely can annoy me. They're physically not here. Yeah, yeah. And my mother-in-law is amazing and not annoying. And my sister-in-law is great. That's where I'm going to leave it. You guys can try <laughs> to figure out Boy, I wonder what is being be. unsaid there. Ooh, okay. So the right. one person that, if you guys can figure out, sometimes this particular person does annoy me. And, and, um, and sometimes he does say some insensitive. How stuff. do you know it's a he? I mean, it could uh, be oh, a I know she, it's but... a he. I know who it is. It's your father-in-law. <laughs> I just said you can't say it because I mean, your but, family members. But who you listen. said your mother-in-law is not annoying. Your sister-in-law is not annoying. John, you know what kids. it is? It's because, like, you know. Okay, so I'll say this because I I've been trying to figure out because lately he's been. But that's Same better than your mother in law kind of, being annoying. You're lucky. Your no, my mother in law is freaking amazing. You like, my mother in law you are is blessed. literally you are blessed the most amazing. Most people would say their mother in law is annoying, not their father in law. No. So you're blessed. Like, she's, she and I are like two peas in a pod. We get along so well. She, they, I've, they, they I've won the Ohio, lotto. Right? They live in Ohio? Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Like, I've won the lotto when it comes to my mother in law. Like, she's Seriously. just amazing. That's amazing. Um, my father-in-law, I think, you know, some of it is that I think we're just such different people different because creatures. he's very moody yeah. and he's kind of sensitive and I'm mm. so not sensitive. Mm. I just kind of say what I feel like. Um, and then, but then I think the problem is, and I've thought about this recently because I was trying to figure out like, why does he trigger me so much? I, I think it's because of the history that I have with him, how, yeah. you know, in the beginning of my relationship right. with John, right. he 
like treated me pretty terribly for the first like two years or three right. years. And so I think because that's such a formative time in our relationship, I always carry around a certain level of defensiveness around him. So mm. even though I have forgiven him for all of that and I've moved on, right. I think the trauma response is still kind of there. So if he says something that kind of rubs me the wrong way, my defensive mechanisms kind of come back up. Gotcha. And so I kind of, I'm like, I'm not continuing this any longer because I don't want to feel the way I felt in the beginning. And yeah. so I have a much lower tolerance with him than if I did. And my mother-in-law doesn't ever say anything kind of weird or something questionable. But even if she did, I think I would it wouldn't trigger me because I, I love her. Like we have zero baggage. Yeah. Like all I have is positive emotions for her. But whereas in this relationship, because it started off on rocky ground and I already had kind of a, you know, I don't want to say it was trauma, but it was pretty terrible um, to the point where like I was like, I'm going to break up with John. Like I can't do this relationship anymore. Wow. So now I still, I think, carry some of that because I don't want to get yeah, hurt yeah. again. Yeah. So I think that, so I don't know if that's like annoying, but he definitely is gotcha. one of the only people in my life that kind of triggers me. Yeah. You know, and I think like, you know, it's, it's like you said, your friends, like we're not going to hang out with annoying people, right? We're not going to hang out with those who really, really yeah. annoy us. But yeah. in terms of like family members, you're stuck. I mean, they're your family. So there's nothing you can do about it. They're going to annoy you. And there's nothing you can really do about it. So anyway, okay. Well, Sua, thank you so much for answering that. I know that was a stretch for you and that wasn't well, easy. But I, I didn't really... answer it. You answered it. <laughs> I was going to leave it as a mystery. You know, I'm but... terrible with multiple choices, but, uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. I don't test well at all, but but this one I, I did really well. I'm proud of myself about it. Yeah, he's not, not a bad person. It's of course. Just I know that you love something him. About law, but of course. Something yeah. about the way he is and the way I am mixed with our history mm. just sometimes doesn't go well. I hear you. I hear you. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, cool. Well, listen, we want to talk about something a little different and uh, just kind of a, you know, I just came back from South Africa. Um, I'm a part of an organization called Zameli USA, Zameli Wetu. It's an organization that our church was very uh, privileged enough to help launch many, many, many years ago and uh, bought a group of about 12 people with me and, you know, only two people from our church, but the rest were people from outside the church. And it's really Which is great. good, actually. Yeah, because I just I, I want yeah. I want Zamela to grow outside of Metro. And so, you know, it's part of that kind of leveraging your influence and then trying to invite people to come out. And so it was a great group of people that came out. Um, and, you know, I hadn't gone back to South Africa in since the pandemic. So it's been a while. Mm -hmm. It's been close to about three, four, four years, I think, four years. And so, yeah, just to see what God is doing out there is just really amazing. Um, just really humbled and touched by the the work that's being done there but i think it got me thinking again and i you know i was kind of telling the group that came with us and and i was trying to remind them as well and there was uh, there was another person there from covenant world relief and they did it as well but you know like charity in america in some ways there is an unhealthiness about it and i kind of want to talk about that a little bit because i do believe you know many of you who are listening you might be very charitable in terms of what you give to and things like that but I think one of the things that we've learned or I learned over the years of traveling the world and just kind of seeing what God is doing and and looking at different folks who are trying to reach people, especially in those, you know, marginalized parts of the world. Um, I've realized that sometimes our charity can actually cause a deeper sense of poverty in those in those in those places. And I just kind of want to kind of talk a little bit about that. And if that's cool with you, Sua, like maybe we can just kind of play off each other and just kind of talk a little bit about it. But but I think what I'm trying to get at with the charity thing is that sometimes I, I you know, and there's been articles written about it, uh, about, you know, in America, you know, we really just give because we want to feel good about ourselves. Like we just want to feel good that we did something. We like to give to things that's very easily measurable. Like we could say, hey, I gave to build an orphanage. I gave where I am now helping people go to college, you know, or go to school. And those are all, I'm not saying they're bad things. I mean, those are all mm -hmm. good things, but we don't really think about how is what I'm doing and what I'm giving to, is it really helping to solve the, the terrible curse of poverty or is it just perpetuating it or making it worse? Right. And so I kind of want to talk a little bit about that and, uh, and just kind of get, and you know, so you grew up in the third world country. You know, for a big part of apparently, your life. we're also not allowed to say third world country anymore. What? I, <laughs> we're also not allowed to say developing nations. 
Apparently, neither of those phrases are no, they're no longer acceptable. I'm not sure what the replacement is, but well, apparently we're not even allowed to. Yeah, I am not going to PC this. I, I am know. not PC this, unfortunately. <laughs> so I'm going to say a third world country. So, yeah. <laughs> you grew up in one of those countries, uh, Sua. So, you know, I don't know. But uh, any, any thoughts on it before I just kind of kind of go on my little rant and, and kind of go through some stuff? But any thoughts that you have, Sua, just kind of, you know, you've been uh, at Metro as well, but you also grew up in a, in a country where it was a developing country. Maybe I'll say that. But um, but anything. But love to get your thoughts on this. I don't know. I have so many thoughts, but I don't really know. Um, I just you know I'm trying to I'm trying to think about where I want to start because I have a lot of different thoughts. Um, I will definitely go in with what you said about. Um, and I think which I don't know if you said it in these words, but I think what you're implying is that a lot of the way we do charitable giving or charity work or philanthropic work here in America is geared towards um, meeting something in ourselves, like something yeah. that yeah, benefits us. us. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying that in terms of like a financial return, but more so it has to give something in return to yeah. us. So for example, if we give, it has to make us at least at the very basic level feel good yeah. about the giving. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably where we run into a lot of problems because sometimes the things that immediately gratify us in terms of giving are not necessarily the ones that are systemically helping solve the issues that we're right. giving towards. Right. And a lot of times they're actually perpetuating the problem. So maybe you can kind of talk about um, what, that looks like. The other thing that I will just say, because it's been on my mind a lot about um, Americans in general, I was listening to a podcast about um, a book called Evicted. And it's basically about, um, it talks a lot about how taxation works in America and how the rich people are given a lot of subsidies and the poorer people, you know, we have this negative idea of, you know, quote unquote, welfare queens or people that are giving, yeah. getting handouts. And we have this yeah. very negative idea about that. And it made me think a lot about, and maybe we can talk about this at the end, but it made me think a lot about where this idea in America comes from, um, of how some people are deserving poor and some people are undeserving mm. and poor. And I think like we, we, differentiate between oh you know the people who are trying to find a job but they can't those people deserve our help but you know those people that take their welfare checks and go get their nails yeah. done or whatever like those are the undeserving poor or even little things like you know when i'm in columbus there's actually a lot of people on the side who are asking for money and i realized you know i never give people who are yeah. begging for money on the street money right and then one, like my kids would ask me, but why don't you? I thought God says you have to give people who are poor money. And then yeah. I was trying to formulate a reason as to why. Mm. And I couldn't quite come up with a good argument as to why we give money to organizations versus individuals we don't. And it, my argument came out to something along the lines of, because we don't know what they're really doing with their money. And then they'd be like, but their sign says that they need food for their kids. And then I'm like, okay, but they might be lying or they yeah. could be using it yeah. for something else. And then they're like, but how do you know that? And it, it was kind of like, I didn't have a very good formed argument for that because they're kind of right in some way. Like, how do I know what their situation is? But in my mind, I had already decided like, that's not how you give. There's good, there's proper forms of giving and there's improper forms of giving and who decides that. So anyway, going back to you, um, about perpetuating poverty through yeah, our selfish. Yeah, you know, so so you know, sometimes we bring people on these trips with us to South Africa, um, and and our natural tendency is that when we go into places like you know we visited um, these these people, I mean these kids are orphans. I mean their parents died early, and uh, you know this one it's an absolutely heartbreaking story. It's it's this one boy. He's a teenager and he lives by himself. You know, and uh, and so we got a chance to meet him. And, um, and he was cooking something for himself, but it's heartbreaking to see that he has nothing. I mean, he is literally, he has nothing. Seems like a really nice young man. Uh, he's in, he's still in high school and our natural tendency then is to look at him and say, you know what, I'm going to now support him. I am now going to build him a house. I'm going to now support his school fees. I am now going to help him eventually go to college and all that. And I think, you know, again, those are all with good intentions, but I think we don't think it through. We don't think it through. And then we don't ask ourselves, how do we really help somebody, you know, um, in, in living in that kind of abject poverty? Right. And so what I, what I mean by that is, so naturally people like in our group would want to probably give money to this kid. Well, let me just give mm -hmm. him some cash. Like, cause it's just, so, I'm sure he's struggling. 
you know, and stuff. And so, you know, we want to do that, you know, so there's things that we want to do. And I, and I know we do it because our hearts are, are beating, our hearts mm-hmm, hurt mm-hmm. and we want to help and stuff like that. But I, th- I think, you know, what we're trying to help our people to understand who went on this trip is we're just saying, listen, what this kid needs is not necessarily money. He needs a family. He actually needs people in his life that will love him and walk with him and journey with him. The problem with with I think charity so many times is that you know we think about oh well you know we're gonna we're gonna build an orphanage and we're gonna institutionalize these orphans now and and I think the the reality is is when they get older and then they age out of orphanages meaning that they graduate high school then they're no longer allowed to be in these orphanages mm-hmm. anymore and then what happens with these orphans is that they're alone now they had a family when they were a kid till they were in high school but now they're kicked out of this orphanage because they've aged out and now they're all alone again. And how do how, how we really help that person, right? I mean, typically we're thinking, well, they should, they're older now, they should be in a better place. But I have seen, you know, just in my own experiences with, with, with orphans that that is one of the worst things that could happen. And what we really need to do is we need to find the community, the people that would care and love this kid, you know, while they're a child, but even up until their adulthood and that they're a part of his family. And when you're a part of a family, like you said about your father-in-law, my mother, you know, all that stuff, like, you can't get rid of family. Family's family. We're always here for each other no matter what. And so, you know, I think I think that's the the, the idea behind it. And I, what I'd like to encourage our listeners is just for, the, for you to really think about, because I know you're giving to a lot of different things, but what are you really giving to? Are these organizations really helping to support uh, people to really become self-sufficient on their own? Or are they just sort of putting a Band-Aid on a real big problem? And if by chance they walk away, are these people are going to be, are they going to be in big trouble now? Right. And so I think that's it. How are we, how are we sort of tackling and, and dealing with the root causes of poverty? And so an example I can give is that many years ago, uh, I'm not going to say what organization this is, but uh, Zamelli got a call from an organization, a, a world renowned organization that if I said the name, all of you would know it. Probably many of you listening are supporting it. And they said, could you please come into this area because uh, we're leaving? We committed five years to this place and we're here. We're done. We're out of funds. We're going to leave. They need help. And so we go in there and I, I happened to be visiting South Africa at that time. So we go in there and it's a place in KwaZulu-Natal and we're, and we're talking to the people there. And then we're talking to this person who represents the organization. And so for five years, what they've done is that they've helped pay for all the kids' school fees. They've, you know, they've taken care of food and different things like that. And so for five years, they've helped this, they've helped like a community of people to sort of live out of poverty. They're not living in poverty anymore because they can eat, they can go to school, they got clothes and all that stuff. Now they're leaving. And when they've left, what they've actually done was create a deeper sense of poverty now because these people have forgotten how to support themselves. They don't know how to do it anymore because they've, they've, they've relied upon this organization to help them through and through and everywhere. They didn't teach them real life skills and things like that. And now they're calling, they were calling Zamele, can't you please help this community? And so what I saw was I saw, man, you're actually creating a deeper sense of poverty in this way. You know, and I think that's what happens a lot. And I think, you know, another example I can give is, you know, sometimes, you know, like uh, somebody once shared this example and I thought it was brilliant. Sometimes like we as Americans or people from the West, we go to these places, these other parts, these quote unquote developing countries in the world. And like we offer we go to like the these impoverished areas and maybe they're used to eating frogs because that's all they have to eat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yet we offer them chicken. Right. And and it's like, wow, this is amazing. This is great. We have chicken and, and we're giving them chicken as long as we're there with them. And then what happens is that when we leave, we take the chicken with us. There's no more chicken anymore because that source is gone. And then what we've done now is we've created a deeper sense of poverty because no longer do these people even want to eat frogs anymore. They just want to eat chicken but they don't have the chicken anymore. And now they got to get back to eating frogs. And so that's, it's like you create a deeper sense of poverty now because you've left. And so I think one of the things that I, that that I just would like to encourage our listeners is just to really be careful because as you are supporting different things and different organizations, ask yourself, are they really dealing with the root causes of poverty? Are they helping people to become self-sufficient on their own? Are they helping them? Is there an infrastructure for that? Or is it just we're going to pay for this so that they can have meals and all that kind of stuff? And I know that that's needed. Don't get me wrong. But how are we really helping? And I think that is how we can hopefully deal with the major issues of poverty and hunger and things like that um, 
uh, in this world, if we can look into that and realize that this is this should not never ever be about us feeling good about ourselves, but we have to think about how can we really empower the people. And it's not easy. And oftentimes the organizations we end up supporting that do that, it's not as sexy. We can't really quantify things in some ways, uh, but I think it's the way we do it. And I think it's the best way to do it. So I don't know. Any thoughts as you're listening, Sua? But I think that's what it is, though, is like it's it's very difficult to find a way to motivate people to keep investing and giving into something that doesn't in some way meet a desire that they personally have or make them feel a certain way, like do something for themselves. And I'm not necessarily criticizing that because I think it's a human desire. Like, you know, if you see somebody who's in need, then and you just you want like like that high school student or high school teenager, I don't think it's a bad thing that that person is feeling unsettled and this has this desire where like I have to help him I think that's good I think that's because we have compassion I think that's because we were created with compassion but I guess the question is how can we use that in a more responsible way so that we're not feeding this machine that's perpetuating the poverty and that is really difficult to decide if we are measuring the success of it based on how it made us feel, which is how right, we do right, it. So right. for example, um, I think a lot of the reasons why, you know, for example, like I'm trying to think some of the charities, quote unquote, that like became really big. Like I know for a while um, when social media really started becoming used as a marketing tool for charities, like Charity Water was like a big one. Yeah, people would huge. say from my birthday, please create a well for the people in this like indigenous poor right. community. And right. then people would donate all this money. And it was like this very sexy idea, right. you know, like right. everybody is giving money. And yeah. now I feel really good because for my birthday, I have a well that is dedicated exactly. to me or wh- exactly. whatever, you know, yep. or like yep. if you buy a pair of shoes, we will donate a pair of shoes to somebody yep. in need. Like it just feels like, oh, what? I can shop and also feel like I did yeah. something charitable. Like, yeah. but there's yeah. always a layer where it's something about me, right? Absolutely. And I think it's so hard to be responsible in terms of giving to charities if the primary motivation is something about yourself, like something about me, you know? And um, the other thing I want to say is, you know, there's a lot of really great um, news that has come out of the whole war in Ukraine, not the war itself, but the way neighboring countries in Europe have accepted a lot of these refugees who are now displaced. But I also remember reading an article saying that in the beginning, it was like this huge response where people in Poland, like people in neighboring countries were like welcoming these refugees. But then after a couple of weeks to a couple months, people started feeling like, well, when are they going to leave? Yeah. You know, because now it's kind of making my life a little bit inconvenient you know, or yeah. very inconvenient. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the other thing is like, it's so easy to for us to invest in charity initiatives that are short term or one time because it doesn't really make any difference in the way we live our lives. But I think when we start giving to things and that giving starts impacting or inconveniencing or becoming uncomfortable in terms of the way we get to live our lives, I think those are the types of initiatives that are really difficult to sustain. And that's why I know organizations come up with these like market sexy marketing things because they're, they need us. Like they need us to give to things. I'm going to say something a little bit controversial but it's fine. We have to be honest. I got a lot of controversial stuff to share later on. Okay, no, but this is like, okay, so for, okay. I hope I'm probably going to offend people, but I have never gone on a short-term mission trip with Metro. I used to go to a bunch of them in high school and in college. And then I stopped doing them by the time I came to Metro. I had a lot of discomfort about the whole idea of people going to, not, I'm not talking about the Zamelli trips because I think those are actually presented as more of an ambassador's trip. I'm talking about if there's something terrible that happens in a country and then we raise all of these funds and then we we send a team over there to help restore the things that are broken. I personally just don't understand why we need to go over there with $10,000 of flights and lodging when we can raise that fund and give it to some responsible yeah. company or organization that's already there in the community, because then we are not spending a thousand dollars per person on plane tickets. Like I just couldn't understand that. And I, I feel like the reason why is because that it makes us feel good. Like our church sent a team or I went there yeah. personally. Yeah. And yeah. I yeah. fed these orphans. I right. built right. this house, but without that, would that person give that money 
to that an organization that they don't even know without yeah. that personal link. I'm not sure. And I think that's where, you know, we have, and I don't want to be like a Debbie Downer and say, it doesn't come from good intentions. I really think a lot of the times, yeah. if in fact, most of the times when we give, whether they're good organizations or bad, I think we give them from a good place in our heart. I don't think we have bad intentions, but I think that's where it gets really murky is when we can't differentiate how much of this is because we want to feel good yeah. and it's serving some kind of thing that we are motivated to get versus for the actual need itself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, I would say that one of the things, one of the caveats that we do when we take people out on the Zamele trip is just, we want you to come out because we want you to be blessed by seeing what God's doing. Like right. encountering God and seeing what God's doing out there. Not that you can come out and do something significant, but come out and see what God's doing there. Maybe you can learn the programs and then go back and be an ambassador for Zamela in that way. But I agree with you on that. And I, th I, th I think that, um, you know, that's the mindset of Americans. We want to give and we give so that we can feel good. And so one of the things that I want to encourage, because if you're listening, you actually have a lot of means and you like to give. I think there's a greater temptation to want to take greater control of how you want to help people in different parts of the world and things like that. And because you have means, uh, you kind of want to do it your way or quote unquote, the American way or in a way where you want to feel good about it. And so I'm going to call out a couple celebrities right now because I think, and I might get hated on this, but I think this is just a real reality. I don't think reality. celebrities listen to our podcast. Yeah, that's true. So I'm going to call out <laughs> Oprah. I'm going to call out Oprah on this because I have had personal encounters, not with Oprah, but with the orphans and how she has reached out to. Because when we first went out to South Africa, uh, we went to an orphanage and in this orphanage, Oprah was there. The Oprah did a whole special on this place. And as a result of it, you know, Oprah had her, her kids, they call it the Oprah kids. And when she would be in South Africa, she would invite them to Johannesburg and they would stay at her, you know, $10,000 a night, you know, kind of hotel suite, kind of a place. And these kids would get spoiled rotten. There was about 10 to 12 of them. They would get spoiled rotten for the weekend. They'd get all everything that, you know, that you, they could possibly dream of. And, and they get gifts and stuff. And then they go back to the orphanage and they show all these other kids what Oprah gave to them. And those kids are just so sad that they were not Oprah, Oprah kids. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And they were just devastated. And they just, they felt terrible. They felt like second class citizens in this orphanage because they were not chosen by Oprah, Right. That is creating a deeper sense of poverty because you're singling out a couple kids and now you're helping them and showing them special preferential treatment. But but there's a whole orphanage there of you know 85 to 100 kids and they're not getting that kind of love, right? That's a dangerous thing to do. And then what she also did was is that she built a school in South Africa. It was her boarding school. It was like the, I mean, she spent a ton of money. They did a whole special, one hour special on this place. And I'm not sure where she built this school, but it was like the greatest academy. She had the best teachers, all that stuff. It would be a dormitory. It would be great. And she invited these kids to be a part of it, to be a part of that. And again, it was an epic fail. It was an epic, a ton of money being spent, but it was an epic fail because again, she was trying to remove these kids from their natural setting, thinking that this was going to go well and it didn't go well. And, 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 and eventually it didn't go well and it, and it kind of blew up on her face. And so again, that's sort of like this idea of, I, I, I have all this money. I'm going to do this. This is good. I'm going to bring these kids over. And naturally, listen, I get tempted to do that too. We all get tempted to do that. And we have to be careful. We have to be careful because in the end of the day, it's not helping them because what it's doing is that it's creating sort of like, oh, an elitist mentality. Well, I got chosen. Look at this. And, and, that's, and that's creating a deeper sense of poverty around them. And it's a really dangerous thing to do. And so, you know, I think we have to be careful. I think we really do have to be careful. And the, 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 the last one that I would say that I'm a little bit critical of, and I don't know, I have not read any news about how it's going, uh, but LeBron James kind of creating his own school in, in Ohio. You know, you're you're around there, oh, right, Sue? Yeah, in Akron. Uh, yeah, I mean, kind he of, created this, his own there. academy. It's like a, you know, it's everything is paid for and stuff like that. If you go, and I just I don't know, but I remember when I watched that, I was actually sad. Again, I was like, here is a very wealthy man, and now he's trying to do something where he's trying to get these kids out of where they are, bring them into this place, this amazing academy, and give them a, like a world class education. Again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. I get it. But why would you spend that much money? There's better ways in how you can try to alleviate poverty and improve education, not just for these select kids, but how about for the entire area of Ohio or Akron and things like that? And so I just think sometimes we think about these things that we think because I got the means, I'm just going to do this because it makes me feel good. And this is what I'm convicted of. But it's really, but how much 
are we really helping? Are we creating a deeper sense of poverty in our area because of this for the kids who don't have it? Like, how am I helping out in that way? And I think that's that's the thing that we have to that we have to be mindful of. And just recently, I would just say that um, you know, sometimes I get approached by different organizations because they want Metro to support it, right? Like different types mm -hmm. of organizations, very well-known organizations. And this one guy, you know, reached out to me and we connected um, a bunch of times and just kind of connected and, and had meals together and stuff. And I just said to him, I just said, listen, I, I can't support your organization. The church will not support your organization because I kind of, I've had firsthand experience with what your, your organization does in these developing countries. And you guys really don't help in the area of poverty, um, you, you, what you guys do is you create more poverty. And he had a really hard time hearing that from me, but I just had to be very honest with him with it. And I share with him my experiences and, uh, and things like that. And so I know it was a very difficult probably thing for him to hear, but, uh, but yeah, but I think this is just stuff that I've learned over the years of, of just, you know, going into different parts of the world, seeing what's, what's really working, what's really not working and stuff like that. And I guess, I guess that's the thing. So we just have to be careful of uh, going to certain places and just doing it for ourselves or helping certain certain organizations and just because we feel good about it. But we got to ask ourselves, am I really helping? Am I helping to deal with the root causes of poverty? And I think it's really sad because what happens in people in developing countries, and this is a clear example I can give in Africa, in South Africa, there was a, a Zulu woman that said, you know what? And this is this was before we started Zamel. She said, I can have as many children as I want because the more children I have, more people from the West will support me. And it's it's this creating the sense of I can depend on the West to help me to deal with my poverty. And I think what we have to do is we have to sort of, you know, have this mindset of how are we helping these people to believe, no, you can get out of poverty if you can begin to work together and trust each other and all that kind of stuff. And so there is that mentality, I think, in developing countries is that we need somebody to support us and get us out of this, this hellhole that we're in. But I think the, the real way of transformation is we got to help people believe in themselves that they have all, they have everything they have within them to actually do this, but they just need some structure and help. And I, I think that's, that's an important thing. So anyway, I've said a lot, but th those are just some thoughts that come to my head on this. And I just want to encourage our listeners that I think that's an important aspect is that when we give, that we give knowing that we're doing something that we know that we're actually helping and dealing with the root causes of poverty. So that's that's really an important thing. So I think I agree probably with all the celebrities. I think with LeBron, though, it's a little different because Akron is his actual community. And I think that might be the difference. Like for me, like all. I think when I look at organizations and obviously I guess people are, might be listening being, okay, so now what, like how the heck am I supposed to differentiate, which is a good one, which is a bad one. I don't have, you know, a degree in social welfare. Like, I don't know which ones are the responsible organizations. And even within responsible organizations, there have been a lot of scandals where like they found out the board was using the money for other things or personal gains. And so there's been a lot of organizations that went bust for that reason as well. Yeah, so yeah. if you add that dimension, there's just, it's just very overwhelming and daunting to think about yeah. like what is a responsible wise investment for my charitable giving yeah. and i feel like for me i always try to see going with what you said if the if the person is from the community or it the most of the work is being done by community leaders versus outsiders who are going in because i think there's a much less risk of this savior mentality playing in if it's a person that's actually trying to help their own community because there's so many nuances and so many things about a community that makes them unique that an outsider just doesn't see there's no formula but i think the way a lot of the western organizations have done charity is they have the set formula and they go to a country and they basically just use their right. formula without taking and into it never account works a it lot of the works. unique yeah because there's so works. many unique differentiating variables in each community so for example i have a friend from my small group who's from kenya and she goes and she helps her village it's not she's not it's not an established nonprofit, but she knows her community because it's where she right. grew up it's right. where her family grew up yep. and so yep. i feel completely at ease you know supporting her because I know that this is her community. Not only does she know the nuances, but she also is personally invested in her community because it's personal to her. And I think that's a lot of times when we run into problems is when we allow these outside wealthier um, groups to go in and just yeah. be like, I don't need to really yeah. listen to what you guys are doing. I don't really need to listen to what your community needs. I'm just going to go in and do whatever it is that I see is your problem. Right. You know? So, I mean, do we have any real practical ways sure. of trying to figure out which organizations are yeah. quote unquote good and bad or bad? Yeah. 
I would say the nope. best the best thing that you have to do is that when you're looking at domestic or global um, international organ organizations is that you got to ask yourself are these things be are, are these organizations being led by indigenous people right right, right. so if the if 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 you're supporting an organization where they're saying okay well guess what we're going into you know let's say south africa and we're going to serve the community here's what we're going to do don't don't support that organization there ha it has to be an indigenous movement there has to be something that's already being done and these are leaders the indigenous leaders that are there that know their community like you said about your friend who's from mm -hmm. kenya right if that's not there don't support it because what they're probably doing is bringing in their western influence so that they can make this thing marketable and do it in the way that they want to support it in that way and so it's really important to support organizations where it's an indigenous movement and an organization that's willing to empower these people to lead and 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 the, and the West influence is very minimal. That the, that that this these organizations have an indigenous leadership, and it's moving in that way. I think outside of that, we shouldn't do it. We shouldn't do it. And I know there's a lot of there's a lot of large organizations that are all over the country, they're all over the world. I mean, I would say, yeah, but they're not indigenous, right? And so that's an important aspect to it. And this is this is a real interesting thing that I that I that 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 really helped me like and this is why I want to thank uh, a good friend of mine his name is Alex G and he'll be on the podcast in a couple of weeks I interviewed him about leadership and uh here's the cool thing like one time we met with this guy this guy and I'll just say he's he was a white guy good guy doing really great things with re-entry and different stuff like that and helping people and stuff like that and it was really good and he was talking about what he's doing and all that kind of stuff and and he says something to him that I thought was so profound. He said, listen, I hope you can work yourself out of a job and you can go and find another job one day and uh, and you can do that. But he was basically saying, like, how are you raising up indigenous leaders? How are you raising up people in the community that understand what it's like to go to prison and go and 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 then having to come out and trying to find a job and things like that? He said, like, that's the mark of a good, healthy organization. That there's not just some guy from the outside that comes in and now tries to get support and tries to help people. I mean, that's good in and of itself. But then, you know, he was like, you can get a job anywhere you want, but how are you going to raise up indigenous leaders? And will you, he challenged it, will you leave your organization and give it to someone else? Somebody who really has unfortunately have gone through this, but can really work and support the people in that way. And so it's that idea of like, you know, like, are we just going to come in and do our thing or we're going to actually let the let the people who are there, you know, raise them up and then let them lead it in a way. Because I think that's a lot more effective. So I would say that. I would say that whatever organization that you might be supporting right now, think it through a little bit and ask them, is it really an indigenous movement? Is there is there people in those places like, you know, Thailand, you know, whatever it might be? Are they actually empowering these people to lead on their own in that way? Are they able to do that? And uh, I think those are like the best kinds of organizations uh, to look for. And I, and I think that's an important one to do even domestically as well. Like, you know, I call out organizations as well. And I'm just saying, Hey man, like, do you, you know, your organization is not reflective of the, of the, of the, of the ethnicity that you guys represent and that you guys are serving. And, uh, and so I, I, you know, I, I'll do things like that as well, because I just think that's important that, that we have to support indigenous movements. That's just something that I, I'm very passionate about. So I think that's one major way in how we can sort of safeguard and kind of evaluate even now how, you know, um, how, how is this organization really building the community up in that way? So that, that's not to like completely hijack and detour or a little bit, but I did just want to say, because I had to talk with one of my friends, one of my neighbor friends about, cause she was asking me about what my thoughts were on poverty in America in general, cause she's a public health um, yeah. specialist. And so okay. she was just picking my brain cause I'm a social worker and we were just talking about it. Um, and we were talking about how during the pandemic, um, the Biden administration gave um, a certain, I don't know, it's like a poverty subsidy. It was a subsidy for families. Um, remember how they gave out all of these subsidies um, for parents with children? And I think they gave everybody, but then they gave more to parents who had, a, like, depending on the number of children they had, mm. and actually significantly decreased the number of families that were at the poverty rate. Like it almost got rid of the poverty mm. in America. But then so a lot of policy analysts were like, oh, we're probably going to continue this. Right. But they didn't. They ended it. Um, they ended it even though there was clearly and it was like a marginal amount. It wasn't even like a huge dent yeah. in the actual budget, but they stopped it. And I and the 
pervasive idea was the reason why they stopped it was because people were like, I mean, sure there was a lot of like other political things going on, but there was this sense of like, but it's not deserved. Like people, they, they didn't earn this. And so it can't just continue, even mm. though it literally meant that children had more food at home and children literally had a better life and their quality of life was increased. It didn't matter because at the end of the day, this principle of it wasn't earned, um, they, they don't deserve it, like was such a big hurdle. Oh. And the reason why I bring this up was because we had a very interesting conversation. And again, I don't want to hijack it, but we went to, we inevitably talking about poverty in America, because we talked a lot about international, but I think there's a lot of needs that are also in terms of the domestic sense. We talked about inevitably the conversation turns to race because yeah. it's a, it's just a fact that black Americans have a significantly higher poverty rate than anyone else. Um, and she and I were having this conversation about how she would talk to her friend um, who was a very conservative white male. And he just cannot, he cannot accept this idea of there being a systemic reason for poverty. Like he just can't accept it. He gives so much money. He's so generous. Yeah. He donates a bunch of money to yeah. all of these initiatives for hunger and, you know, illness. He just cannot accept this idea that there is a systemic reason for why there's disparate yeah. outcomes. Like he just can't handle it. Yeah. And I said to her, why do you think he can't though? Like, what is it about this? Because he's clearly a person who's invested in the well-being of our country and the people in this country and the children. Like, why is this such a hurdle for him? And she was like, because if he were to accept that there's a systemic reason, then he would have to accept that he needs to give more like he, he, he it, he's mm. benefiting from something that these people are not. And that mm. challenges everything about how I got to where I got. Yeah. Right. If most of us believe that we are self-made, that most of us believe that the wealth that we have or the privileges that we have are ours to use as, as we wish because we earned it. That's a different thing. Then yeah. we can give money and feel good about it because we're like, I made all of this money because I worked really hard myself. Yeah. And now I get to give it to the charities that I want and look at this great legacy that I'm leaving versus if you were to come to a place where you believe, no, actually, the cards were completely stacked differently for different groups of people in this country. And everything that you say was self-made. Yeah, of course, I'm not doubting you worked hard for it. But there's another person on the other side of the spectrum who could have worked just as hard, who could mm. not have gotten what you got. It challenges the core belief of who I am and how I got to where I got. And I think that's another hurdle in terms of giving. I think people, it's it's one thing to give because you're like, this is my money. Yeah. I can do whatever I want with it. And I'm giving out of the goodness of my own heart. And it's another thing to give because you say, well, all money is God's. God gave me all of these privileges. The world is not a just place. I have unfairly benefited in a way that has put me where I am. Yeah. And so it is my responsibility, not because I am a good person, yep. not because I am a generous person. It is my responsibility as somebody who God put in this place and gave me the privilege that he gave me. It is literally a sin not to. Like I, I know that's right. a little extreme, but I think it's a different perspective in terms of how you think about giving. Is are you giving because you 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 should you yeah. have to. It's our responsibility to give because of yep. what God blessed us with versus are you giving because you're like this says something about who I am. I yeah. am a good person. Yeah. I'm a yeah. generous person. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that made sense. I know I hijacked Very it a much so. Bit, and and, and but, it's, I think yeah. it's a great way for us to end, you know, because uh, it really is. And, you know, it's so interesting because, Sua, you and I, years ago, you know, we still do it till this day. Uh, we, we, we started a, a Black Korean Pastors Association and mm -hmm. we met up on, on a monthly basis. That really was because of your influence. You know, you were like telling me in the office, Peter, you got to do this. Like, we, you have to do it this. was your idea i Are just you said sure? you should i could have sworn it. it was your yes. idea no no all it right. was your idea okay all right well any event um i remember one but i'll of take the credit yeah take the credit i really think it was you <laughs> i don't think it was me it was you um so you know it's uh so one of the meetings and this is when you left sua um one one one, one of the korean pastors said like i don't understand like how come like basically that question you know like how come black people can't like the majority like so many of them live in poverty still to this day like what's going on you know why is that happening and this is this is why it's a safe space mm -hmm. to ask these mm -hmm. questions because mm -hmm. a lot of times we're ignorant we don't know and right. one of the pastors one of the black pastors he just says very plainly he goes listen every time we've tried 
to make it and 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 mm. go ahead you've killed everything people have mm. you know uh, white americans have killed everything like we had a we had our own wall street in oklahoma and what happened mm-hmm. it got burnt down every time we've had great leaders emerge what happens they get killed they get assassinated mm-hmm. he said every time we've tried to go and 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 get out of this poverty life and 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 try to make it in this country there has always been systemic racism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where we have lost loved ones we have lost our leaders and we don't have and that's the one of the major reasons why we've struggled for so long and it was just such a great way in how we responded and i think it was a way to help people understand oh man there's a whole other thing that i don't realize and yet I just keep thinking, well, why can't you do this? Why can't you do this? And mm-hmm. I think it really is important to understand that reality and understand that in some ways we're all culpable and we're all responsible. And we have to realize that, yeah, that's one of the reasons why we should support, because in some ways we've all benefited from the institution of discrimination and racism in some ways. And we have to be careful, you know, through that. So, but anyway, a couple of organizations that I'll just kind of throw out there that if you guys are kind of in that place, well, I would love to know, like, are there organizations that I can start supporting that actually really do care about indigenous, you know, people and supporting organizations? Um, I think there's just really two that I would really recommend, uh, you know, and unfortunately there are people that I know very well. Um, One Day's Wage is an excellent organization and uh, it's my buddy, Eugene Cho. He, he, he runs that organization. And the main thing he does is that he looks for indigenous leadership. He 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 mm-hmm. partners with grassroots organizations all around the world. They're an excellent organization. Check them out. Highly encourage you to do that. The other one is Covenant World Relief. Now that is our denomination, but I know the you know the the leaders of that place, and they have you know dozens and dozens of partners. And again, their understanding is the same thing. We are trying to work with indigenous movements that really care about dealing with the root causes of poverty. They're an excellent organization you know that do that does amazing stuff or all around the world if you're looking for like global global type impact okay so that's another one zameli I, I can't i cannot mention i cannot leave out zameli usa it is an excellent organization that really does want to work and continue to work with leadership and you know me knowing the organization very well you know i just came back from south africa i'm just so delighted to see the zameli way to staff and, and i met these young women and they're women that were from the neighborhoods. They were women that were mm-hmm. from the valleys. And now they've been raised up, trained, and now they're loving and caring, former orphans, things like that. And so, um, you know, that's another great organization. Zamele is Z-I-M-E-L-E. Um, I think ZameleUSA.org is, is the organization too. So yeah, feel free. Those are some of the organizations, but uh, but do Isn't it think- Community? No, it's Zamela USA. Oh, we changed okay. it. It's ZamelaUSA.org now. And so, but I do encourage you guys to think about that. And if you're giving, that's great. And, and and if you have a heart to want to give, great. But we just want to encourage you to make sure that you're partnering with organizations that really do support people on the ground and that care about indigenous leadership and giving oh, them the power and access to we forgot to the organization. Yeah. We forgot to say you you should pray. <laughs> I know that sounds so stupid, but I also think sometimes it gets very overwhelming when you try to figure out which organizations to support because there's so many organizations that are constantly vying for um, our attention. And I think as somebody who gets emails all the time about like, donate to this initiative, donate to this initiative. And now even on social media, it's like, you know, it's my birthday, donate to this, like donate to this. And obviously these are not bad things, but I think it can be really, really overwhelming. Like, you know, they did a study um, and they showed a group of people um, a story about one girl who was hungry. Um, And then they did a study on another group of people where they showed them the statistics of how many people are hungry and how many people are in need. And the number of people in the group that only was shown one person who was willing to help was so much higher than in the group that was shown the vast statistics of all the Mm. people that were hungry, which in a little way is counterintuitive because you, you would think if you show people how much of a greater need there is, it should elicit a greater response. But the reason why they were so discouraged was because they felt like their contribution wouldn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. Versus if you showed a person one girl who needs, you still feel like I can help this yeah. situation. This is a manageable yeah. situation. Yeah. And so I think when in the world we live in, it's so easy to become so overwhelmed in terms of like, where should I give? Like what, yeah. what will my contribution even make in terms of a difference, because there's so many organizations that need our money, so many problems. And I really think it's important to pray because not every lane is our lane. And um, 
I think God will show you where it is that you should invest and wherever it is you're willing to invest. Like Pastor Peter just said, I just want to really emphasize it's the the power, man. Like the power is such a yeah. um, difficult thing to let go of. Yep. Yep. The thing with the indigenous leaders, it's because you don't have the power. You're relinquishing yeah. your power to somebody else. Yeah. You know, the reason why some of these other charities are so toxic is because they still allow you to hold all of the power. Hmm. And that's such a sexy, attractive thing. I donate money yep. and I get to say yep. I donated money. I yep. am the helper. I yep. am the savior. Yep. I yep. am the yeah. um, the right. rescuer here. That's it's right. the power. But, yep. you know, not to make this like super Christianese, but I mean... Jesus gave up all of the power. All the power. And so he modeled that for us. And if we are not willing willing to relinquish our power because it's so it feeds our ego when we give, mm. then clearly we need to readjust the way we think about giving in general because that's not the yeah. way Jesus did it. Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. Listen, I'm I'm willing to if you guys want to send an email or a comment, uh, Peter at weekpastor.org or Sua at weekpastor.org, uh, feel free to engage in the conversation. Um, if you disagree with us, totally cool. We'd love to hear that as well. Um, but feel free to engage with us. And if you want us, if you would, you know, like us to weigh in on our opinion on certain orgs or something like that, uh, we can do that offline. I think that's definitely something that we can do, but I do hope that you'll take this seriously and, uh, and really think about, you know, who you're impacting and, uh, and, and how, what kind of poverty you're addressing. Are you just trying to alleviate and help organizations deal with the root causes of poverty or are you just perpetuating it and making it worse and i think the reality is, is that so many without even knowing we've made it worse because we just care more about how we feel and how it makes us feel and so that's important so again we'd love to hear your thoughts any questions any comments that would be really great but we just want to thank you so i thought like a great way for us to end this was for you to give us another flex but i'm going to refrain from that another another bicep Listen. flex Listen, save you know, it for I would, I would actually a milestone. Love, I would love to see your quads. I, I'm, I'm assuming your quads probably got pretty developed too, though, huh? Listen, okay, no? we're gonna we're about to lose like half of our listeners, <laughs> which we can't afford to do. Okay, okay? so All we right. need to we need to move that's, on. That's too much. All right, well, listen, thank you so much for listening. Uh, again, if you have any thoughts, any questions, feel free to comment on our social media post, but also Peter or Sua at weekpasser.org. We'd love to hear from you. But thank you again for listening. Take care. Bye.